Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Last time on the Life Giver Podcast. Assertiveness is like not being passive anymore. And we're actually going to say the thing that is like, it's the elephant in the room. It's the thing that's between you and your spouse. It's the thing that's keeping you distant. So we've got to have the courage to say these things out loud. It's just how we do it. So Matt, if you, you can respond to those two, if you want to, or go from there, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I was going to go ahead and, and hit up aggressive, yeah. uh, just for the sake of time. So just initially my thoughts on, on aggressive is you, you have to be able to diagnose when you're dealing with an aggressive communicator. It, it usually falls, I think in, in three areas. Um, they are either a cruel person and they're just cruel by nature and that they, they get joy, um, and pleasure out of hurting another person. Um, they're dealing with a or they're dealing with a deep-seated insecurity in themselves. And the only way that they can overcome that insecurity um, is to, to try and uh, hurt other people or to, to be demeaning or to be demanding uh, in their communication. Um, and those, those aren't mutually exclusive or they're feeling threatened. Um, they're not cruel, they're not insecure, but they're feeling threatened. And so they're coming across and they're communicating in a very aggressive way. Um, now, I know that when Corey and I were struggling in our communication, and whenever we have a really good argument, it's usually I'm the pursuer, but I don't really know what I'm trying to work out. I just know that we're trying to work it out. We're trying to work through it. And so where Corey's trying to process her feelings, her thoughts about whatever it is that we're talking about, I'm trying to get resolution because I want to have connection. And so what comes across as, as, as aggressive is really me trying to pursue her through communication but really doing so in, a, in an immature and in an absent-minded and, and thoughtless and sometimes can be hurtful manner. Um, and so being able to diagnose, is this person just being cruel? Is that what they, they just enjoy doing? Is that why they're communicating aggressively? Um, are they dealing with some, some level of insecurity? You know, and, and they're trying to, to try and place themselves in a, in, a, in a different position through their communication. Um, are, they, are they defending because they feel threatened or are they pursuing and so you it may take a while to be able to, to try and i don't want to say diagnose but determine where that aggression in the communication is actually coming from but i tend to think that it happens more so with individuals that um that are extroverted or it tends to happen with people that have been passive for far too long yeah and then once once that passivity has been far too long all of a sudden, all that rage and anger and resentment builds up and festers. And then all of a sudden, there's that explosion, which comes across like a complete shock 
because the person that's been encountering the passive communicator for a very long time has never expected that any of that was underneath the surface at all. And that really kind of goes into the defending and feeling threatened. Whenever you have, whenever you have that, that threat response, it's really amazing what, uh, what our amygdala will do to us and, and, and make us, how, you know, how we will act in order to be able to, to, to shove away the perceived threat. So what are, any thoughts on that, Corey? Yeah, no, and, and I, I was looking at the spectrum and I thought to myself, you know, this is really, um, I could see myself over the past month, you know, on this spectrum, right? Like when I was not sharing with him what was going on, that was a passive form of communication that wasn't healthy. Like I'm, I'm holding inside, I'm not sharing for whatever reason out of insecurity, or we talked about that already as far as the reasons why I didn't share what was going on. Passive aggressive might be me, um, hoping he's going to ask if I had a hard day instead of me just saying that I had a hard day, you know, or me being snarky. I don't think I did this, but like if there's kind of hints that I'm dropping, which is really unfair to do to your spouse, if they're a distance away, mm -hmm. right. When you have fewer senses to, you know, all of our five senses, when we talk about communication, your five senses, I can tell you the more of your five senses you can use to communicate, the less there's going to be miscommunication. Right. So that's why video chats, um, um, and that's why we're doing this over a video because you can see us, you can hear us, you know, you're, there's, we're engaging as many of the senses as we can when we're apart. So, you know, that's why Matt a second goes like, you, you have this you know, strong look on your face. Well, I'm just reading the comments, right? So you get mm -hmm. these nonverbal cues. And so the more mm -hmm. of your five senses that you're using when you're communicating, the less room there is for miscommunication. And so if I'm just not really communicating my words to him and hoping he's going to pick up on it, well, we're already missing out on things like physical touch, the ability to hug and calm each other's bodies down. That's a form of communication. Like all of those other things we normally would have in person, of course, there's going to be even more room for miscommunication. And so, of course, I do see, you know, we can definitely lean towards the aggressive side when we're apart, if we're kind of bottling all that up or if we're kind of unleashing our resentment out on the other person when they're powerless to control the situation, if we're just being mm -hmm. aggressive, character assassination, calling each other names, shouting at each other, um, telling them that you, know, you don't want to hear what they have to say, all of that is an aggressive form of communication. So really mm -hmm. quickly before we wrap up with this um, hour and go into question and answer, um, assertive communication is where we want to be. This is what's helpful. Healthy. Okay. Healthy is, I'll never forget this when I was working with women out of prison and we were teaching relapse prevention. It was the first time I had to teach this similar material. And I remember reading the statement. I kind of memorized it and just kind of took it with me where assertiveness is you have a right to your thoughts, your feelings, and your opinions. You also have a right to ask another person to change their behavior if it's destructive to you. As a human being, you have those rights. In other words, meaning when you're feeling something, that is, that's valid. It is a valid emotion and you shouldn't and can't talk someone else out of those feelings as if they don't matter or they're wrong, right? If they feel a certain way, it's very real to them and it's valid. Okay. If you feel alone, that's valid. Um, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, differentiate real quick, feeling and thought. You can have a valid feeling that's tied to an irrational thought. So yes. can you unpack well, that? 
Yes. And I think it's through our communication, assertively communicating that we, we start discovering what's rational and irrational, right? That's why it's a dialogue. It's a communication Mm -hmm. back and forth. And so when we say assertive communication, you have a right to express those thoughts, feelings, and opinions. That doesn't mean that those thoughts, feelings, and opinions that they may not change over the course Mm -hmm. of the conversation, right? But when we are first feeling a certain way, it's, it is okay. I'm speaking maybe to those that are on the passive side, right? Sometimes you've got to be able to say, I have, I have this feeling and it's very real and I need to be able to say it to you. I just need to tell you what's going on within me. And then it becomes that dialogue, but aggressiveness would be to say, that's not right. That's not real. That's not what you really meant. Like that would be aggressive. Aggressive is actually trying to force the other person into feeling or thinking exactly what you are feeling or thinking. Yes. Um, And then passive is I'm willing to think or feel whatever anybody else is. I'm just trying to go along to get along Um, where you're, you're desiring harmony above uh, autonomy or the ability to express yourself as an individual. You said something and and I read it on the the second bullet on the the right side is the being able to change your mind is being flexible enough to grow together. And if we expect our significant other to grow and change and be able to to change their mind, we have to do that as well. Mm -hmm. So if there is something that I'm expecting Corey to grow on, then I need to be able to grow on it as well. Because I'm not trying to just create, you know, a little, you know, clay person as I mold them. I'm trying to experience the dynamic part of life that is going to make me scared at times. It's going to make me afraid. It's going to make me, uh, it's going to challenge me. It's, um, but you can't like selectively numb, like Brene Brown would say, you can't selectively numb, you can't avoid all those bad things and then expect to have all the good things. And so you've got to be able to, you know, excitement comes from unknown adventures from where you're like, Ooh, this is new. This is different. I don't know where we're going to PCS. All right. Now there's some bad stuff about PCSing. There's also some good stuff. Maybe there's a Panera nearby. Maybe there's even better bagels. So (laughs) The key to this assertive communication, really, when it comes down to it, is that you have the right to express your thoughts, feelings, and opinions, but you want to do so in kindness. And you want, and what I mean by that is without violating the rights of the other person, right? If we violate the rights of the other person to their thoughts, feelings, and opinions, that's where we are becoming aggressive. So in other words, guys, like how do I... Like, let me see if I can go back to when Matt and I were struggling early on in our marriage. Um, When I started to set those boundaries, I was doing my best. I didn't know that I was trying to practice assertiveness at the time. But what I was attempting to do was own my own feelings and go, this communication that we're doing, that we are, are living through is not okay to me. This is not feeling healthy to me. And so I'm going to communicate that I want something different, that it needs to change and that I am un- I'm uncomfortable with it staying like this. That was me being assertive to own how I felt, express what I thought and ask for change. And I, And it doesn't work because believe me, I tried to do it in unhealthy ways of screaming that, of not saying it at all, 
and trying to be passive or, you know, just to give him the cold shoulder after an argument. And none of that was effective. And so really kind of, it came to a point where I just said, you know, I'm just going to own how I feel and put it out there, but I'm also going to hold the boundary and say, if we are going to grow closer together and we're going to heal this, something's going to have to change. And I'm, I'm allowed to say that I'm allowed to express that. But if I can say it in a way that doesn't shame him, that doesn't character assassinate him, that doesn't run over his rights. And Matt, one of the things that you kept saying to me over and over again back then was, I have a right to be upset. I have a right mm -hmm. to my feelings. And that was so true. Like, I think I was like, don't be so angry, right? Don't be so mad because his expression of anger and frustration was louder than my expression as an introvert of anger. And we had to learn how those expressions come out mm -hmm. and then how to both do that in healthy ways. But I remember you saying all the time, I have a right to be upset at something that is upsetting. And right. I had to keep going back to that and going, actually, that's true. Mm -hmm. He does have a right to his feelings. He has a right to express them. We just have to figure out as a couple, how do I ask you to express them and let you own them and have them, but express them in a way that I can also hear and, and meet, meet in the middle somehow. And I think one of the hard parts, especially early on in marriage, um, and if you don't get it fixed, it just continues all the way through marriage, is the expectation that any of us know how to do this well just to begin with. So we talk, you know, all with people and have relationships all the way up to, to marriage. Um, but we don't ever really get trained on it. We don't ever really have feedback mechanisms. Literally our feedback mechanism for learning how to communicate in school is whether or not somebody continues to hang around us or we develop a group of friends. But then that even becomes this little very insular group that just affirms whatever your communication style and skills actually are. And so you begin to think, I must be able to communicate well. Why? Because these other people hang around me. Well, they may not be able to communicate well either. And so you just may be all this self-reinforcing group. And then you get married and you're like, I know what this is. I know how to do this. I've watched movies. I watched my parents. I'm either going to mimic what they did or do the exact opposite. And I'm going to get this right because I know what marriage is. And it's like getting in a car, having never understood how a car works or functions, but you've seen them drive. And so you think you got it pretty, pretty good. And then you get on the highway and you're just trying to keep up to speed. Well, the first day for a kid on the highway trying to get up to speed, you're going to be so anxious and you're going to be white knuckling it within a couple of miles. Your, your level of frustration, anxiety, and fear is going to be so high. And that happens for all of us. So the number one thing I will say is that if you're having problems with communication, you need a mediator. Mm -hmm. You need somebody that can give you outside advice and guidance that this is going well or this isn't going well. And the beauty of whatever's happened in the last year with COVID is that telebehavioral health has become a big thing. And so if you have the opportunity to engage a telebehavioral health provider that your spouse is in the States and the other person is deployed and, and they can do that with, um, within the parameters of their, their state licensure, you can have like three people in different places sitting there working through communication and have somebody mediating for you because there's what we think we say and how we think and feel we're coming across. But oftentimes in our head, we're like, this is going to be brilliant. This is going to be phenomenal. When I let this go, this is going to be the best thing in the world. And then you say it and you're like, 
you know, it's like taking a puzzle and just throwing it out on the table. And you're like, that doesn't look like the picture on the box. I think that might be just you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just me. no, it's, it is true. It is true. So here's, thank you for that. Um, that's an important caveat as we go into these questions. Um, it's so hard to know what's happening in your world, what's happening behind these questions. There's so many variables behind why people communicate the way that they do. And so it's almost impossible for us to answer some of these questions without having more information. And so yeah. what we're going to do in answering these questions is kind of apply it to the material, almost like a hypothetical question, kind of making up mm -hmm. some of those details. Um, so if you if we address one of your questions, just know we know that we're probably getting it wrong and there's a whole lot more to the story than is in mm -hmm. this question, but we wanted to tie it back to the, um, the material today and kind of answer it through that lens. Okay. So, um, and some of these will go through faster than others. We're going to, uh, Matt, you, you, let's try to move through them quickly because we tend to get stuck like on one or two questions and, and kind of camp yep. out there. And so we're going to try to go through these faster. Um, definitely, um, go to the Q and a box. If you have something in particular you want us to address and we'll do the best we can. Um, Question number one is why is it easier for me to share my life decision um, or I guess how I make life decisions or the decisions I'm trying to make, um, big decisions with my spouse, but it's harder for him to give me the same courtesy. So that's a, that's a big question. And there's all, there's a lot of variables that can be behind that. Um, I'll kind of take this one as far as um, here's the thing. I think Regardless of how your spouse responds, especially if you're making big decisions or trying to navigate how to make big decisions, it's always important to share those life decisions and how you're trying to make them with your spouse. Um, mm -hmm. And if it's harder for them to share that, it could be because they're an introvert and they're just not sharing all the details of all the thoughts that they're having to try to make that decision. And maybe they get to the end and then tell you what they decided. That could be something that's going on. But even just being able to go up to your spouse and assertive say, I call it turning the lights on in the, in the relationship with our communication. Like you can hear behind the question, there's already disconnect in, in the couple, right? Like I want my spouse to communicate and they're not so much. And so I feel disconnected. And so I say, turn the lights on with our words, right? Where we can say, I love you. Um, I really want to know what's going on in your inner world. When you don't share it with me, I feel disconnected. That's an honest statement, owning your own feelings, not saying that they're doing something that's horrifically wrong, but it is being able to say, this feels destructive to our relationship. And I'm, I'm kindly asking you to do something different, or at least tell me what's going on that keeps you from sharing it. A lot of times mm -hmm. I find for most couples, it's really a difference of personality and how we um, kind of interpret information. I can't tell you how many couples it comes down to introvert and extrovert really um okay matt why don't you do this next one how do you keep relationships strong with your kids through absence so it's like communicating with kids right so um there are actually several ways that you can do this and we have all the tools we have so many more tools now than we used to um the fact that when Corey and i got married that our first computer had a one gigabyte hard drive and we were like, this is amazing. Who would ever need an entire gigabyte on a hard drive, right? And when I was compiling the book for Corey, I was even able to go back and look and see the videos that I had made with the boys. So this comes down to age and it comes down to what needs to be communicated. And so if you've got young children and you're just trying to be a face and a voice on a screen, then that's very easy to do and to be able to send those things home and to be able to mail them home 
and two, to, to plan things out. We mentioned this when we were talking about parenting, you know, two hours of creating little videos of, you know, reading chapters of a book, putting that into the hands of your, of your supporting spouse back home, and then, and then being able to have that for the kids goes a very long way to, to being able to feed that need for, for that level of communication. We have uh, teen boys, and based out of that, you know, they have, they have phones, and they can text. And so the ability to just be able to send texts maybe throughout the day, whenever our, our time zones are overlapping, to be able to just consistently say, I love you, I miss you, I'm thinking about you, here's what was going on in my life, here's what I was processing. And this communication is important and consistent. It doesn't have to be big buckets. It can be consistent, small drips over time that is a constant reinforcing for your relationship with your children, that I'm thinking about you, that I miss you, you know, and to be able to, to, to articulate that. Before I left, I gave both the boys uh, like leather bound journals and I'm almost positive they have not written one thing in those things, <laughs> right? True. But true. exactly. So, But it still intento, taught them the value yeah. of, this is a way of communicating that I think will stand yeah. out to them. And I, yeah. I think it's still worth that you gave that gift to them. Yeah. So I would also say this, go back and listen to the one that we had on parenting because we had, we answered a lot of good stuff about how to stay connected with kids while you're deployed. So we have another question in the question answer box where it talks about my spouse isn't the best at reciprocating general questions about my life when I'm asking about his, what's a good way to communicate with this with him effectively. So he's more aware of the issue. And, um, and they're saying he's, he's a caring person. He just isn't like thinking to ask those questions. Um, honestly, I think that, um, Again, I'm going to say this a million times about turning the lights on because that's what assertiveness is. Assertiveness is mm -hmm. like not being passive anymore. And we're actually going to say the thing that is like, it's the elephant in the room. It's the thing that's between you and your spouse. It's the thing that's keeping you distant. So we've got to have the courage to say these things out loud. It's just how we do it, right? So mm -hmm. even just go, I mean, you actually wrote that beautifully. Whoever wrote that, you actually wrote it really well. It's actually being able to go to your spouse and say, hey, I noticed that when I'm kind of sharing, you know, I'm asking you how you're doing, you, you typically don't ask me how I'm doing. And I would, that really feeds me and it really makes me feel seen for you to ask me kind of similar questions back. Um, you can ask why, but honestly, I would say sometimes it's a, it's a matter of upbringing. It's a matter of um, what you grew up with and what you saw in communication. And sometimes just using a communication tool like the check-in, we mm -hmm. gave that, I think back in, oh, I can't remember which month we did that, but we did um, the check-in is a five minute, four question check-in that you can do every single time you connect with your spouse. It's what are you physically feeling right now? What's been on your mind? What are your emotions right now? And then what do you need? And just being able to answer those four questions and take turns with those four questions, you ask all four or you answer all four and then the other person goes. Um, I think you'll be surprised how much you get from that conversation and connect in that just five minutes that gives you a lot of the connection that you feel like you need. So bringing in a tool like the couple's communication cards, the check-in, um, coming up with, um, prompts and questions that are prepared in advance so that you're not, you know, doing the same questions every single time, bring in tools. If somebody is struggling and it's a weakness of communication, bring in tools instead of just expecting them to just figure it out or be, or be a natural at it. Go ahead, Matt. I think in relationships, there's always one person that pursues more yes. than the other person. 
And so there's a difference in the level of pursuit. One person just may feel more comfortable without there being that much forward pursuit and the other one doesn't. And, um, but there's also different levels according to how we pursue one another. So just because you're, pers- we, and we often give what we expect to get, okay? And, and if we're not getting, then we will give even more as a way to kind of drop hints. So I'm going to give this more and I'm, I'm really trying to drop a hint that you'll actually like catch on. This is how you love me. And somebody mentioned the, the five love languages. I think you can break that onto even many more. But if you're, if you're wondering, like, why don't they do X, Y, and Z? Well, that's not how they're built. I mean, that's how you're built. So you're expressing the love language that you want to have from the other person. And then going back to ex- assertive communication, it's almost like, this is how to love me. You know, this mm-hmm. is the best way to love me. And I remember you and I actually have little black books on that, you know? They're out like of how print to love now. Me, We're going to have to make them, oh, I think. Yeah. But so, it was like a whole book of fill in the blank of um, yeah. how to love me. And you're just answering all yeah. these questions and then you swap them, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this, this question actually comes up a lot when I travel and speak with, especially spouses, but working with couples, it's, it's the question of, as from a spouse perspective, when you're kind of um, holding all of the responsibilities and the weight of the world's kind of on your shoulders and you're kind of keeping it all inside. And then your, your spouse comes home and, um, And you kind of get to a place where you put yourself so much on the back burner that you eventually explode. That would be going from Mm -hmm. passive to aggressive, right? Like we didn't have healthy assertive communication leading up to it, especially I can hear this just happening during reintegration, right? Like I've been holding it all inside. I really need your help. I need you to jump in and take responsibility. And during reintegration, what usually happens, not usually happens, but what I hear from a lot of couples, um, especially with rapid tempos, is that um, you're holding it all inside and you're waiting for your turn supporting spouse at home service member comes home and they're needing to readjust to with jet lag. And, and then that might sometimes we're talking about dysfunctional behavior here rolls into video games or not being fully present and engaged in the home. And then if you've put yourself on the back burner, passive aggressively waiting for that person to jump in and take responsibility and know what you're feeling, then you are going to explode. Right. And so I actually had a spouse, um, one, um, talk that I gave, She was in the back of the room and she was talking about being on the back burner as if like, you know, if you're cooking dinner, she said, when you think about it, and she was trying to make a really good point, but it was really something that stood out to me. She said, you know, when you're making dinner, you know, there needs to be something on the back burner. Like it's the back burner is just something you got to stir every now and then. And on the front burner is the thing you really need to be attentive to. And she's like, as long as we just make sure that we kind of give ourselves a stir every now and then, then, you know, Mm. we're going to be okay. And I just was like, no, that is not okay. You are so valuable as a human being, you're not going to make it if you give yourself self-care just every now and then when you have a chance. Because you guys know when you have 20 minutes to yourself, you're going to stare at the wall and you're going to think of all the laundry and everything else that needs to get done. And then you're not going to take care of yourself. And so turning the lights on in the relationship means that you go to your spouse and you say, I am exhausted. I really need your help. And when you do fill in the blank. It feeds me. It makes me feel like I can replenish when I can go for a walk and you take the kids for 30 minutes, like give them an actual something that they can win at. Mm -hmm. Give them an example of exactly what's going to feed your soul. Communicate that and say, if you can just give me 30 minutes with a kid so I can just go outside and go for a walk and hear nothing but the wind and the birds and not children, then I think it'll help me decompress a little bit. And if, when you help me with the dishes, I just, I just take a deep breath 
breath. And I'm just so grateful. And it does so much for me. Like you've got to be able to express that, give them a chance to win because here's the thing. Everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to lose. Your mm -hmm. spouse is not trying to lose and they're not trying to be malicious and they're not trying to hurt you. We just have to speak out loud the things that are in our heart and not be passive about it. But we have to do it in kindness. If you don't, you're just doing it aggressively. We're just swinging the pendulum to the other side. Okay. Mm -hmm. Such yeah, what ends up question. happening, what ends up happening usually is that both, both spouses, um, begin to feel and in, in spiral in their own little areas of hurt for too long. And they end up kind of hiding in their own little holes. And if they're not assertively communicating with where they're at and what's going on with them, and they're really hoping the other person guesses or that they feel like they've been so isolated and felt like they haven't been understood for so long. That's where that that um, that rift begins to grow and people begin to grow apart. And so the sort of communication is is really making that leap across that that canyon to come to the other side and say, OK, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on with me. This is what I need. And when you do, just like Corey said, when you do X in situation Y, I feel Z. So it's an empowering thing. And we're all let's be honest. I mean, between the, the supporting spouse and the serving spouse, or if you're dual military, both serving spouses, we're all exhausted, y'all. Yeah. That's what being an adult is. <laughs> being adult is basically just being exhausted. It is, it is being exhausted until you fall asleep while you're holding the grandkids. That's that's adult, <laughs> all right? That's where we're all going. That's just that's we're admitted. all headed. We're, we're all headed there, okay? And then we're going to get until, in trouble for that. You know, and then people are going to look at it and go, "Can you believe they fell asleep?" Yeah, because you exhausted of kids. You just wore them. Slap <laughs> you out did this to me. <laughs> you did this to me, and naps are happening. All right. So I love it. This is the next comment is actually um, coming off of the other one. I think this is really important for us to touch on. Um, right. Somebody responded off of that last scenario. They were responding that it can be really tough when, when you hold your spouse accountable and you ask them to change something and then they get an attitude or they get defensive because you've held them accountable on something. Um, and, and I just want to go back to what we started in the beginning. Assertiveness is again, being able to communicate your own thoughts, feelings, and opinions and asking for change in a, a kind way. That's not aggressive. <laughs> right. Um, but it's owning your own and managing yourself. If the other person doesn't respond to your healthy assertiveness, if they, if they respond in defensiveness, aggressiveness, or passive aggressive in this case, that's not necessarily, I want to be careful on how I say this. I'm trying to say it's not necessarily your fault, although the best we can do is own our intentions of what we're trying to, to what we're trying to do in healthy communication. But that doesn't mean we're, we're going to, there's gonna be times that you're going to try to be assertive and be healthy, and it's still not going to quite be there. Right. So there's room for feedback on that, but there is an element of do the best you can to communicate as healthy as you can be willing to grow from it. If you get it wrong, be willing to get some feedback, but at the same time, if they don't respond in a healthy way, for me, and then Matt, I'll let you respond. For me, that's the next level of conversation that needs to happen, right? It kind of goes up a level. Like on video games, you go to the next level. Like if I'm communicating, hey, um, I really would like for you to not play video games tonight. 
Um, this is not a situation with Matt and I, but I'd really like for you to not play video games tonight and help me with the kids. That would be really helpful. I'm just so tired. And they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is the time that I hang out with my friends and that's just what I do every night, right? If that's, an, if my healthy communication or my attempt at that is not respected, now it's time for the next level of conversation. The next level of turning the lights on in this relationship is, is now you not being willing to hear what I'm asking from you is now creating emotional destruction mm-hmm. and connection to destruction in our relationship. And so now I need to communicate that. So when I ask you to help me and you are defensive or when you don't want to help, this is how this ad impacts me. And it makes me not want to be close to you. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. be close to you because you, when I ask for help and you're willing to give it, I'm hurt by that. So now we've mm-hmm. gone up a level in our communication and what we need to be assertive about Matt, what were you going to say? So I was going to say, when you use the word accountable, it implies that there have already been rules that two people have agreed on and that you are holding somebody to the rules to which you have both agreed on. If you haven't set rules for your marriage or for your household and people are acting in one way or another in a way that you don't like and you confront the person, even if it's assertive communication, just be aware that that person may get into a defensive posture and feel like it's not accountability. It's accusatory. And so whenever somebody feels accused of something, they'll naturally become defensive. I'm not saying that you're accusing them by using assertive communication. I'm just saying be aware that if you haven't agreed upon what the rules are for the house, then there's really nothing to hold anybody accountable to. So backing that up, you have to decide what are the rules. So when you're talking about communication during deployment, going all the way back to the beginning when Corey and I were talking, you know, we didn't have a rule for, okay major medical scare happens during the deployment. Do you want to know? Do you not want to know? Yes or no? And now we know we should probably have that conversation. And sometimes you stumble upon those realizations, even when you weren't planning on it. But it, it is key. It's crucial to sit and have family business meetings where you're not just talking about, you know, the calendar that's coming up or the finances in the house. Sometimes you have to go, okay, now what are the rules? And usually we figure those out. We start to decide we need to start making rules for the house only when we have kids. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh man, these kids are unruly. They do whatever they want. Well, as as adults, we tend to act like kids and teenagers too, because we figure we can set our own rules. So if you don't want to have that, 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 you know, that, that blow up or that confrontation, when there's a good setting and a good opportunity, being able to assertively communicate here are what I want the rules of our house to be. And for you guys to over time to develop and agree on those rules, because rules are in place for you to get to a place that you want to go. If you don't have those rules, you're living accidentally. So first off, you got to agree. What do we want our marriage to look like? What are we, what are the characteristics of our marriage, of our house? Agree on the nature of your marriage first and then go. So what rules do we have to put in place in order to get there? Because if we don't have those rules, we'll never get there. It's the same way we're going to... And what happens when somebody breaks the rules? That's right. where people yeah. get stuck on that, right? Yeah. Um, I did want to circle back because um, I had mentioned Steve's comment. I think it was um, Steve's comment that was up above where I said it was an example of a sort of... of assertive communication where he said, um, actually Nicole said to Steve, right? So that's the couple, Nicole and Steve, where she said, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but it's your fault guys for logging into the same account. Okay. But, um, she said to him, I love you and I love spending time with you, but I need alone time. 
Now, what was, what's so healthy about that is you can hear the kindness. You can hear, I'm not running Mm -hmm. over you. I'm actually saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I love spending time with you. So we're pointing out the positive We're pointing out the connection in the relationship. It's not saying that it's, it's that not that it has anything to do with you. This is something I'm communicating my own need for rest Mm -hmm. and alone time. It has nothing to do with us. So she's validating that. And then asking clearly Um, Franklin Covey calls it, um, straight talk, like straight to the point, very direct, but kind, like I need Mm -hmm. alone time. And then his response was, I understand I'm going to go play golf. And he went for 10 hours, right? Because he knows they've had enough conversations that he knows he's coming back to somebody who's more replenished. Right. And Mm -hmm. so he has the freedom to go play golf. She has the freedom to have that alone time. And it all happened because we communicated with kindness and with, with straight talk. Go ahead. So I'll say now, if you are deployed um, or you're you're both, you know, dealing with the deployment, start now the conversation of what life is going to look like during reintegration. Begin to do expectation management because that little conversation between Nicole and Steve is a perfect example of the kind of conversation that needs to happen weeks prior to reintegration and reunion where you need to go. I'm you know, I'm excited to see you, but I would like X, Y and Z. I'm excited to come home. I'm excited to see the kids, but also maybe need to go hunting just to be away from people because, you know, Corey's at home with kids all the time. And then service members are with other service members all the time. They're not necessarily getting any of that quiet time themselves. So being able to say that and then go, okay, well, let's look at a calendar. Let's figure out how we're going to work on this expectation, on our expectation management and what life is going to look like when we begin reintegration. That will save a lot of problems for when you both come home and then both want to go do other things that don't seem to work. Lots of need, lots of need. So we're going to wrap up um, because we could honestly do this for hours. Um, And if you know us, you know, we can. (laughs) So um, it's been a joy to spend some time with you. Here's how I would kind of wrap up and vision cast moving forward for you guys as you close, as you leave for today. Um, Number one, part of, of part of communication takes boundaries. It takes self-awareness of knowing what you need and being able to own your own feelings, not manage the other person, but it's also being kind and, and letting them have their own feelings too. Um, it's definitely about boundaries and, and boundaries come from what Matt was saying, your shared values and the rules around your relationship and talking through what happens if somebody breaks the rules? What do we do with each other? How do we communicate that we need somebody to change behavior if somebody kind of broke a rule, right? And we're not mm-hmm. talking about like loyalty kind of rules, although sometimes those that is the conversation, right? But it's it can be as simple as I thought the one of the rules that we had for marriage is when you come home from a deployment that you're fully 100% taking care of the kids. I wasn't expecting you to check out, right? Like that kind mm-hmm. of was not what I was expecting. Um, yeah, I thought out. one of the rules of marriage, I would say this, one of the rules of marriage should always be, I'm not threatening. We don't threaten to leave one right. another. Right. That was even some great advice that we got from some mentors very early on when we needed it the most. And so we didn't get to cover timeouts, but timeouts are healthy. They are important. And there are rules surrounding timeouts. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's healthy to call it, but it's also healthy to call a time in and get back to talking again. Um, So there's so much more. And I'm going to throw this last one in really quickly because somebody asked about external family members. And our rule of thumb is talk about it as a couple and figure out your feelings on that 
not. But our kind of general rule of thumb is that, um, you know, your spouse should be managing boundaries with their family and you should be managing yours unless we're talking about safety issues. So thank you for the great conversations, the great questions. Um, it's a really important topic and really a difficult thing to do during deployment. My goal by the time I see you guys again, by the way, the next topic that we're going to cover is a, is a big one. The next topic we're going to cover is how do you recover and restore um, some of those deeper wounds in your relationship? So if you have dealt with things like betrayal or just hurt, deep hurt, um, we're going to cover this some very difficult topics. Topics in the next one because we get questions like that all the time and sometimes betrayals or deep wounds happen during time apart so make sure you register for the next webinar that will be next month and we'll be sure to meet you right back here and take your questions as well for that event so laura thank you so much for having us and for giving us the opportunity to serve this community that we love so much thank you guys for giving so much of your time yeah thank you Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.